Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. It's Coot here. Welcome back to another very special episode of Soul Talk. I trust you've been enjoying these amazing conversations and sessions with me and uh, some of the most amazing human beings around the world from different fields and disciplines. It's always uh, special to hear from you and receive emails and get the posts on social media messages just uh, learning how you're enjoying the soul talk episode so today we have another amazing episode for you i'm really excited to uh, introduce to you uh, a man you may already know of you probably have read his books he's probably impacted your life in some way uh, he's a very dear friend an amazing human being an incredible success uh he is um, considered to be one of the top five leadership experts in the world. His work is embraced by rock stars, uh, billionaires, celebrities, CEOs. Uh, his books are sold. I think he may correct me, but something like 15 million books around the world, which is mega. So he's touched some lives and uh, he knows a thing or two about leadership and success. But, you know, when I first had the opportunity to meet this man, I just want to go on record and say it's one thing to be a success by the world standards, but to be uh, an amazing, genuine, sincere, soulful human being that is uh, generous in heart is something you can't fake. And when I first met him, um, you know, no stage, no cameras, no one around. The way he just embraced me, loved me, and showed up as just a true support and brother was something that has really uh, impacted my life and my heart. So I'm really excited to introduce to you the author of uh, the monk that, who sold his Ferrari, the greatness guide, the leader who had no title, Robin Sharma. Robin, welcome to Soul Talk. Hi, Coot. It's phenomenal to hear your voice again and to and to connect with you on your podcast. And thank you very much for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, thanks for making the time, brother. Thanks for coming on. I have a few questions for you, man. I'm really excited to just jam with you today. Um, so I'm going to dive right in. I know you... You know, you were a lawyer when you started, so just just to kind of set up a con to set the context as we dive in. Uh, for those listening in, I'm curious: how did you go from being a lawyer in a totally different career to what sparked that transition and inspiration to start writing? And you know, the monk who sold his Ferrari and speaking. And was there something that occurred? What what was that inspiration? Well, I, I think one of the reasons why we connect so well with each other is um, we're both seekers. And I, I think from from a young age, uh, you know, I was a seeker. I didn't really fit in with most people. Um, I saw the world through a different set of eyes. You know, at heart, I'm a creative. Um, yet, if we're not careful, the 
suggestions from society and the people around us can really seduce us and get us away from who we truly are. And I'm, I'm saying that because, you know, I listen to the world around me that said, well, if you become a lawyer, for example, you're going to find happiness and success in, in the true meaning. So, you know, I, I went to university, I became a lawyer, I became a litigator, I was really successful as a lawyer. And yet I'd go to work every day and I would um, feel this incredible sense of emptiness, like I was a hollow person just going through the motions. And, you know, I had a nice car and I had good money and I had, you know, social status. And yet what does success really mean? I mean, I don't think anything is more valuable than your peace of mind. I mean, you can't put a price tag on your joy. And so... Um, I slowly started to look to new horizons and I decided, you know, I started, I explored meditation. I met with mentors. I did this whole sort of inner odyssey to transform myself so I could reconnect with a sense of, of joy and my, you know, my true potential. And I decided to write a book um, and I self-published it and I decided to call it The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari and I self-published it in a Kinko's copy shop. Wow. And my yeah, my mom was my first editor, and my father helped me sell service clubs. Yeah, my mom. Wow. My and wow. my first seminar, you know, um, twenty one people attended. I'd say most of the people were my family members, uh, but from really mm. humble beginnings, I just started evangelizing the message, and it just grew from there. Mm. So, for someone listening to this conversation, and maybe they're in that place, Robin, of you know they're Either they're working, a, a, they have a career that they, they're very successful, but maybe they feel, you know, sometimes success can be a trap because we create a level of success um, and then there's a life that we create and the status and the fame or, you know, all the things that go, the trappings, and yet they're feeling unfulfilled or empty. Uh, what, 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 what's the first thing that they can do to start connecting to their sense of joy and happiness and, and finding that is there something that they can they can actually start doing you know i'm going to say something really simple coot but it's pause mm. you know a lot of mm. people are so busy being busy because you know they've they've swallowed a pill that you've got to work day and night you know you hear so much about hustle and grind and you know right, and right. And and it's just why not just pause? Like it's this obviously this isn't my phrase, but we are human beings, not human doings. Mm. And why not learn to pause and ask and get perspective and ask yourself, you know, am I a climbing a mountain only to realize at the end of my career or at the end of my life, you know, this was the wrong mountain? And to start doing some excavation of your heart and soul and asking yourself. You know, why am I living my life? And here's a great question. Like, what is true success for me? And it yes. might not be having all these things. True success might be great health, um, being loved. Like Warren Buffett said it really well. He said, I measure success by the extent to which people love me. And so get a really good scorecard about what success is for you. And if it's not what your, you know, that your neighbors or the media says is success, it doesn't matter. I mean, true leadership is living life on your own terms, even if you're the only person in the world who is chasing success, the success that you feel is right for you. 
So what, what is success for you, Robin? What did you, what did you come to? You mentioned joy, but I'm curious, was there mm. an evolution in how you see success? Like when I say success, what, what does it mean to you now? Um, how do you define uh, it? Being a, being a, being a servant leader. I, I, um, two years ago, I was very blessed to stand in Nelson Mandela's prison cell on Robben Island. And, uh, my tour guide was a former ANC prisoner who'd actually been tortured in prison. And, you know, I asked him, I said, he was walking me through the courtyard where Nelson Mandela used to bury his in the works autobiography, A Long Walk to Freedom, and he pointed to the prison cell of Nelson Mandela, and then he brought me into Nelson Mandela's prison cell, and I said, you know, did you meet Nelson Mandela? And the tour guide said, oh, I, I served with him for seven years here on Robben Island, and I said, what was he like? Wow. wow. And uh, the tour guide said, he paused and he said, Oh, that man was a humble servant. Mm. And if you look at the greatest amongst us, uh, you know, the Mandela's, the Mother Teresa's, the Martin Luther King Jr.'s, the mm. Joan of Arc's, the, whoever, whoever it is, um, you know, I've spent 20 years studying what makes genius. And if I look at the greatest human beings, they all had one thing in common. They turned down the voice of their ego so they could give their lives over to a cause that's larger than themselves. So if you ask me what is success, ultimately, it's being helpful. Um, when I was growing up, Coot, my dad used to repeat something to me. He said, Robin, when you were born, you cried while the world rejoiced. He said, son, live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries while you rejoice. And that, to me, is the ultimate form of happiness. If you can just say, you know what, I'm going to go out in the world, whether I'm a baker or a coder or a CEO or an entrepreneur, and I'm just going to you know, help as many people as possible and lift up as many people as possible by my model of possibility and the value I create, I think that's, that's ultimate, ultimate success. Definitely uh, a life well-lived, for sure. Um, you talked about pausing, Robin. I think it is simple, uh, but it's, it's profound to pause, get perspective, ask those questions, reflect, you know, re, refocus oneself. Um, but I think when we're, when we're on a trajectory, I think it can also be uh, a little scary for people to, to stop and question. And, you know, like you made this change from a successful career, letting go of, of, of that and going into a, a different direction and following your heart. And I guess how, how were you afraid in any way and how did you deal with the fear and how, how can those listening in, if they're scared, shitless by the unknown, even though they know they need to go in that direction, how can someone deal with the fear that comes up from making the change they know they need to make? Well, there's a brain tattoo that I teach in my work, Coot, and it's, it goes mm -hmm. like this. The illusion of safety is always more dangerous than the fear of uncertainty. So the way the majority of people live is, well, you know, they stay within what I call the safe harbor of the known. Same conversations, same TV shows, same apps, 
same work, same route to work, same lunch, same dinner, etc. And we do that because we're human beings, right? It's actually, it's called homeostasis, right? Like we live within a steady state because we, it keeps us safe and human beings like control. But that's actually the most dangerous way to live. We're most alive when we're on the skinny branch, we're most alive when we're playing at the jagged edges of our human potential. We're most alive when we're going into new frontiers of creativity and productivity and love and humanity. The real question is, what's life and how do you want to live your life? Like, do you want to get to the end? I would say to someone, do you want to get to the end and say you lived a safe life and comfortable? Or do you want to say, I, li I lived life? And I got knocked down and I felt frightened and I felt joy and I got bloodied and I had heart, my heart broken and I became a brave, fully alive human being. So I think that's the ultimate question. And then in terms of a tactic, first of all, on pausing, you know, um, I've spent 20 years teaching one method that has helped my high-level clients do amazing things. And you know it, it's the 5 a.m. club and my new book is, is all about the 5 a.m. club. And part of the quote-unquote magic of getting up at five, I mean, a lot of the, I know you're into, you know, philosophy, and I know you're into soul excavation. Well, if you look at the great sages, most of them got up between four and six because they knew wow. there was a magic in the air where the brain and the subconscious could be influenced like no other time in the day. And so what most people have done is they've fallen in the trap, into the trap of digital distraction, so they don't have this pausing. And that's why I'm such an evangelist about getting up at 5 a.m. And in the book, I show, share people, a method about how to do it within 66 days. But here's the real key. By giving yourself one hour from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock that I call the victory hour, while the rest of the world is asleep, you can start to detect your values. You can give yourself that pause so you can grow as a human being. You can meditate. You can pray. You can journal. You can exercise. You can learn so that by 6 o'clock, you are regrounded into your best self. And if you do that, your day is fundamentally different, and the days slip into weeks, the weeks slip into months. You, you recreate your entire life just by building in the pause of getting up at 5 o'clock at the beginning of the day. Wow. Wow. How long have you been getting up at five o'clock, Robin? How, how, well, how long has that I've been, been in your life? I've been doing it for many decades. And, you know, wow. I have to share, I, I don't do it every day. I go, I live my life by cycles. I call it um, high excellence cycles, deeper fueling cycles. So if I'm in like an elite performance cycle, it might go three or four months where I'm writing a new book or doing a lot of speaking. I'm up at 4.30, so I give myself a half hour runway. I get up at five, and then I run my protocol that I, that I teach in the book. It's called the 20-20-20 formula, uh, which optimizes my brain, my body, my emotions, and my spirit. Um, and then when, I, when I'm in a more relaxed cycle where, you know, I believe rest is incredibly important and having fun is important. It's not all about productivity. When I'm in a recovery cycle, then I, I might sleep more because I want to catch up on my sleep. Mm, got it. So there's cycles. What, what uh, you said you've been studying geniuses, peak performers, leaders for 20, 20 years or so. Um, you've been around many CEOs and super successful people. Are there any... Um, 
common denominators, the 5 a.m. club, waking up in early in the morning, having that one hour to kind of connect is, is maybe one thing. Are there any other uh, interesting or powerful rituals or common denominators that you see uh, in these leaders, in these peak performers that you can share? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the first things is that all great producers understand that instinct is more powerful than intellect. Um, mm. It's such a trap. It's such a trap to to say, you know what, this doesn't make sense. Um, I'll fail. And so you don't try the new project that could probably change the game for you. You know, you've got to, like the great ones really trust their instinct. They trust their gut because every great woman and man defied, defied what was possible. So I think that's one thing. The second thing is, you know, the great tight business titans and the great athletes and the great creatives, they all protect their hope. You know, we live in a world where there's just a ton of negativity. And so what happens, most of us get a genius, great idea, and we share it with our husband and wife or a coworker, and we meet their fear, and they criticize it or they say something like, that'll never work. And guess what? We believe them. But the great ones protect their hope. They surround themselves with people who fuel their hope. They get, install the rituals and routines that maintain their hope. Um, what else? I mean, I, I, there's just so many. The great geniuses are massively curious in a world where most people have had the curiosity numbed out of them. Um, they love to learn. They love to grow. The great people were relentless. It's so easy to give up, and it sounds it sounds really obvious, but you know, you, you've got to stay in the ring when it comes to your ambitions and dreams longer than the world thinks that you have a right to do so. Mm, love it. Curiosity, I think, is definitely a huge one as well. I think that's something we, you know, as life, as we get older in life, face heartbreak, challenges, failures, I think sometimes, disappointments, I think we sometimes lose touch with that, our curious nature. Um, I'm curious now, Robin, um, about how you deal with, with something. You write books. I mean, for me, you know, I, I wrote You Are The One. It was incredibly difficult to write. <clears throat> I'm curious how you, when you write, I think a lot of people uh, have a message. They have a voice. They have uh, a dream. They have maybe a book they want to write, but they don't put it out there because, again, out of fear, but specifically fear of, you know, other people's opinion. What will people think? That wanting validation. And so many times we don't speak up. And so I'm wondering over the years how you, how you deal with, you know, other people's opinion and how you have moved through perhaps seeking or wanting people's validation. Because it, it, it can be, I think, a vulnerable thing to put yourself out there, to put you, you know, you're writing the five, you wrote the 5 a.m. club, which is coming out soon. And, and you're putting your heart out there. You're putting yourself out there. And uh, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with going beyond needing other people's approval? Well, that that is a beautiful question, Coot. Um, you know, I spent four years writing the 5 a.m. club. Wow. And, um, you know, I had people who who read early versions and they didn't understand certain pieces. 
You know, I, I had people who looked at some of the early covers who said, well, you know, why do you have a, a top hat with a skull and crossbones on it and a heart on it? Like, do something that is more common. And, you know, to answer your question full on, I would say ultimately comes down to what, what do you want your life to stand for? You know, are, are you going to say, um, I, I guess I'm going to go to J.K. Rowling, who, who, as you know, wrote Harry Potter, and she said, for some to love you, some must loathe you. And with that simple piece of awareness, you, you understand that the game of a creative person and the game of a producer um, is not to be liked. You know, I, I sometimes say you can fit in or you can change the world. You don't get to do both. And I'm not going to say here on this wonderful conversation with you, Coot, and say it's an easy process, but it's, it's, a, it's worth it. For any of your listeners to say, I want to write a book, or I want to make a movie, or I want to make a beautiful family, or I want to build a heroic business, or I want to, whatever it is. And to go forward and to be criticized and to be vulnerable because you're putting yourself out there and have stones thrown at you, that's just the reality of that anyone needs to face who wants to do something special for the world and something special in their lives. And is it easy? No, because if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And, you know, here's another brain tattoo. You know, to have the results only 5% of people on the planet have, you've got to think, behave, and live in a way that only 5% of the population is willing to think, behave, and live. And it's, it's going to be hard. And our society says, if, oh, it's hard, you know, go play with your apps and watch video games or, you know, <laughs> right. escape, escape through mindless distraction because hard is bad. And I'm saying hard is good. Like to live a, a life that tests you and provokes your greatness is, is how the great ones live. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we often avoid hard, but, you know, challenges are part of what, Helped our soul to prepare us. I mean, you talked about Mandela. I mean, wow, 26, 27 years in prison. That's that's not easy. But I often think if he didn't go through that, would he have become the sort of great soul, the great man uh, who led a nation and the world? Uh, so he wouldn't have. I I don't yeah, think he, he would. Have. You know, I'm I met someone very close to him, and she said Nelson Mandela went into prison a very angry man. What made Nelson Mandela was the 27 years in prison. So you're absolutely right. I mean, I'd put it like this. I'd say great people take the stones that people throw at them and build them into monuments of mastery and heroism. And for any of your listeners, you know, I'm not going to say you can be a Mandela, but there's one belief I'll take a bullet for that any one of your listeners from around the world if they did the right things and installed the right beliefs and um, wired in the right habits and practiced them over time, they would recode and rebuild themselves to the point where they could be heroic in their lives. You see, um, in the 5AM Club, there's a model that I share. You know, so many people talk about mindset, right? Would you agree with that? Yes, yes. Right? It's like they say, oh, get your mindset right. Well, I believe there's actually four interior empires. 
it's not just mindset. A lot of people read books and, you know, ex- listen to great information and they still, you know, don't get anything done. You see, mindset without, so, so mindset is 25%. I believe there's also a heart set, which is cleaning up your emotional life so that you're full of love and full of joy and you release the past and you're not angry. But it's not just mindset and heart set. It's also health set. If you don't have energy, you're not going to get your dreams done. You need energy and you need longevity. And that's health set. And then the final term that I teach in the new book, the 5 a.m. club, is soul set. Soul set is working on your inner life so that you turn down your ego and your insecurity and you donate your life to a, a cause and mission that's larger than yourself. And that's how you run through walls. And so it's mindset, heart set, health set, and soul set. And anyone can develop these four interior empires, as I call them. And once you do, you start developing these exterior empires because of the person that you are. Wow. So mindset, heart set, uh, health set, and soul set. That's beautiful. Absolutely. The world just, the world is telling us so much about mindset. Well, that's just the mind. You know, what about your heart? What about your body? Mm. And what about your soul? Yeah. Now, then you really have a a whole complete, you could say, complete life for sure. But I, I love that you're saying when you develop those, those sets, then the exterior uh, manifestation of your life is impacted. So I think so often we focus on the exterior, trying to change the ex- exterior, but we don't develop the interior. Exactly. And uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, life is a manifestation of our own consciousness for sure. And you're talking about uh, heart set, mindset, health set, soul set from your 5am club. Um, but the word soul kind of stood out to me because you said some, you said something like if you don't develop your soul set, you know, you may get caught up in your ego, you know, the the egoic tendencies may kick in. Uh, And I'm wondering, Robin, you know, every time I meet you, uh, I'm just going to say, I experience you as in my experience and it's my experience. It's my reality. Uh, To me, you've always come across as a, is a deeply genuine and humble. I mean, there's a word for a man who has achieved, uh, I think it's fair to say, even by the world standards, uh, a huge degree of success as an author. You know, you've sold a lot of books. You're on big stages working with, you know, Microsoft and GE and companies and people know you around the world. I found you, Robin, extremely humble and truly coming from service. And I'm curious, how you have managed to stay grounded, not uh, lost to your own ego, not caught up in the, the hype of, you know, the, 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 the fame, uh, the success. How have you managed to stay kind? Because I think a lot of people, when they achieve uh, material success or success by the world standards, sometimes lose touch with that humility. And I know you've talked about being a servant, but how have you how have you managed to stay grounded and open and kind well you know being kind isn't isn't easy um even you go into a coffee shop and it's let's say early morning and you say good morning and you start making conversation you know in a lot of places in the world right now you look like a freak um <laughs> but i 
Right? Like you say good morning to someone yeah. or you strike up People a conversation. Something wrong with you, right? <laughs> no, seriously, I was in a coffee shop about a week ago, Coot, and um, it, I was just, you know, I, I'd finished Soul Cycle, and so the dopamine was flowing and the serotonin, and I was just so happy. And I walk in and, you know, I start chatting with the young lady behind the counter. And um, she had this really unique name. I said, where is that from? And she said, Kazakhstan. And I said, oh, I've been to Almaty. I mean, that's across the world. And it's her. It's, and she goes, I'm from Almaty. And I went, oh, I was there doing apple blossom season, which is one of their special times in Kazakhstan. And here was someone just, I was just connecting with her genuinely. I didn't want anything. And I was from her, I would visited her own home city. But she shut right down and contracted because of all her fears of, you know, why is this guy being so open to me? And yeah. I'm just sharing that because that is what we have to face for anyone who wants to be kind and open. I mean, I think we're, look, we're a little planet and we're all brothers and sisters and part of one tribe. That's how I look at the world. And so it's not easy to be kind, but I think it's the right thing. Well, I'd also say, you know, first of all, um, shine, I want to shine the spotlight on you because we met in a room full of, I don't know, 50 people and you and I just connected and I, I, you know, I didn't connect with a lot of people there and I just connected with you because of your humanity and your groundedness and your bigness and you just, your depth. And when, then we've had dinner and kept up the conversation and friendship. So I want to, you know, I, I want to just honor you as a human being because there's, there's not so many people who are profound and open and real as you are. So I thank you for your comments, but you know, I want to say that to you and how do I protect it? Um, you know, it's, it's on my father's son. My father is 82 years old. He practiced medicine for 54 years, and I said, why did you do that for so long? And he said, to serve my patients. And he just, he's a humble, he's probably the humblest person I've ever met. Um, wow. And I'm not, I'm not so special. I mean, yeah, I've sold a lot of books and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I try to remember the shortness of life. I mean, we're, we're all flesh and bones, and even the longest life is a short ride. I'll be dust. I probably won't be remembered aside from... <laughs> you know, my, my family. And so what makes me so important? And with that awareness, then I try to walk the earth lightly and just try to be a, you know, kind and helpful human being. Wow. That's beautiful. For me, that's, that's one of the things that uh, make, at least in my eyes, make you successful. So, you know, thank you for just living that example, because I think as you do that, you uh, embody uh, the possibility as an inspiration for people, Robin. Uh, I'm curious, I have a few more questions. I know, you know, uh, I want to sure. be respectful of your time, but I have to ask this one question. Uh, as an author, um, as a fellow author, um, I hate writing books, Robin. I mean, you know, you know for me, books are, it's like, it's like worse than going to a dentist and getting an operation, you know? And so you, you just said you took you four years to write the 5 a.m. club. And to me, that that really says a lot about the love you must have put into this book. And so, folks, if you're listening to this conversation, the man has taken four years to write The 5 a.m. Club. This is definitely a book you must go and check out. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And so, you know, you've written a lot of books. I've written one book. It took me oh, years to write this thing. And 
how do you, I guess, how do you stay creative? How do you, how do you, like when I go and sit down and write, I'm sure many people have this experience too. I, sometimes I just, I can't write. It just, nothing comes out, you know, it doesn't flow. And I have all these ideas in my head, these things I want to say, but the act of writing just, I feel I I often get blocked and I know many people experience that. So how do you, what is your creative process? How do you get into the zone of creativity, of writing, of, of, of allowing ideas to flow of, and when you get stuck creatively, uh, how do you unblock yourself? Well, you know, I, I've heard about authors like uh, Hemingway, and you know, so one of the quotes attributed to him is, "You know, I only write something like I only write when I'm inspired, but luckily, I inspiration shows up at 5 a.m. every day. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I, like, I'll say to you, I'm like you." I'm not one of these people who can write on demand. I mean, I believe the muse will show up at certain times. And so if you were to ask me, what do you do when I don't feel like writing? I take a nap. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are times, there are times where I will sit down to write. I have rituals. I'm happy to talk, share my rituals with you if you're interested. But there are some times where I'll have my coffee and I'll sit down to write and I start writing and I just, just go, this is garbage. And we, we know when it's garbage. And so I just go, it's not, it's not here today. It's not flowing. And then I will come back to it next day. What else do I do to maintain my creativity? I almost rarely write at home. I, I, the, the 5 a.m. club I wrote in Mauritius. I wrote in uh, Puglia in the south of Italy. I wrote it in Rome. I wrote it in Switzerland. I wrote it in Russia. I find I... One of the concepts I talk about in the book is the tight bubble of total focus. I need to get away from the world. I need to get away mm-hmm. from my business, my family, my my usual you know house, and I need to be in a hotel room where I'm inspired by architecture and food, and wow. I need to be away from the world and drop into what neuroscientists call transient a hypofrontality where your brain then drops into flow state, which is where our internal genius lives. We all have genius inside of us, but if you don't create the right rituals and environments, you can't access it. So I wrote most of the book, you know, at different locations around the world. And I, you know, I've got to be around art and beautiful architecture. Mm. You talked about uh, rituals, uh, Robin, what what Mm. are, just real quick, what are some of, some of the, like, the key rituals that you, 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 you do, you implement in your life, you work with daily? The first I would say is I rush to beta and then I optimize. And what I mean by that is um, I had the first draft of the 5am club done four years ago and just having, and then I printed it out and just having it printed out psychologically made me feel it's done. And then what I did, I spent four years, what I call iterating and optimizing it. And so if I had a flight to give a presentation somewhere, I'd I'd bring the, um, you know, it was like, let's say 200 pages printed out. I'd have it bound. And that psychologically made me feel, oh, the book is done. I just need to tweak it. (laughs) Now, it took four years to tweak it, but it's it's a different game. And so that's one of the rituals, rush to beta and then optimize. Number two, you know, I, I love coffee. It's a great antioxidant and it, you know, it, it, it is a cognitive enhancer. So I drink two cups of coffee before 
I write. Um, next thing is fasting. Fasting served me so well writing this book. I mean, literally, there were times where I would start writing at 7, I'd go into the flow state, and I'd look at my watch, and it would be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, literally, wow. I was just drinking. Uh, after the coffee, I'd drink ginger tea with lemon infused in it, and I, would, and I wouldn't eat. I mean, fasting is amazing for super productivity because you just don't have to get out. And how many times do you eat and you lose the flow and you feel tired and you want to nap? So just training yourself to fast for extended period of time was, was amazingly helpful. And then I think the final thing I'd say is greatness. And I'm not saying I'm so great and I'm not saying the 5M Club is so great. Um, I'm simply saying... What makes mastery or greatness in terms of a piece of work is what you do at the very end. So it's, it's, it's not how you start, it's how you end. When you are exhausted, when you think it's good enough, whether it's a book or a film or a business project, that's your mastery point. Because... You know, as you go deeper and re refine the details and push yourself even more and invest even more of your love in it, that's what makes magic. And you said, you know, you, you talked about putting love in it. You know, that's the key. Everyone talks about marketing. They talk about, well, let me get the cover right. Let me get the branding. You know, I play a different sport. I said, I want to write this book with love. I literally would visualize readers reading the Five Man mm -hmm. Club with light going off inside them as they were going through the pages. Mm -hmm. I put my wow. sweat, heart, you know, love into this book. And people, if I've done my job well, the reader will feel the love. And then you don't have to market because you've served mm -hmm. them. You've, you've, they, when you go to the Sistine Chapel in, in the Vatican City and look up at Michelangelo's ceiling, he didn't do it for money because he didn't get paid a lot of the time during those four years. He did it for the love, the love of the work, the love of yes. his potential, the love of the witnesses. And that's why if you go in there and you're by yourself and you give yourself some time, you'll start to cry because his love resonates with your heart. And that's what makes the great work. Mm. I just, just want to sit with that. Folks, love. Whatever you do with love infuses your art, infuses your business, infuses your relationships, infuses your projects. And that's what makes it great. It's the energy of love. Are you living with love? Are you infusing love into your work? That's beautiful, Robin. And I really feel your soul as you're speaking and uh, the love. And it's, it's really refreshing, at least for me, you know, a fellow in this industry, to hear someone such as yourself, incredibly successful, who is really coming from love. Because I think so many people, as you said, are focused on the marketing and the numbers and the business. And, and they've forgotten the art, the love of truly... Um, serving the souls of those reading and being impacted by their work and seminars. So thank you for that. Um, it's profound. You're welcome. Profound. You know, Robin, um, final question. Uh, you shared a lot in this conversation, um, lots of takeaways, lots of 
practical advice, information. Uh, I'm curious if there were three main key life lessons as you look back at your life, successes, failures, mistakes, you know, ups and downs, if there were three key life lessons that you would pass on and they were the only three that you could pass on to your children and their children, the next generation's grandchildren, uh, what would the three most important life lessons, wisdoms be that you've learned in your life that you would pass on? Wow. Well, you know, I, I have two children, so I'll, um, I'll say the first thing I'd say to them is be true to yourself. I, you know, I, I'm obviously not the first person to say that, but be true to yourself, you know. Do life on your own terms, even if you're considered a freak or a misfit, because the world has been built by misfits. The second thing I'd say is um, be relentless and hold yourself to the highest of standards, even if you're sweeping a street. Be the Rembrandt of street sweeping, if that's what you choose to do. Uh, because all work has has dignity. And finally, I'd say be kind. You know, I... One of my mentors um, really influenced me so much over the early on in my career, and I saw him a few months before he died. And I asked him a similar question like you asked me, and I asked him, I, I said, you know, what's most important? And he paused, and he said, you know, be kind. And, you know, look, I, I teach people how to be successful in business. I've done it for, for over two decades and I teach productivity and I help people, you know, get their glory. But what's the point about having all the worldly things? If you, if you haven't, if you've betrayed your humanity in the process. And I'll tell, I'll tell you, I've, I've met billionaires who are, who are the most insecure people you've ever met. They have everything in the quote unquote thing in the world. And they're just full of such insecurity. And I've met, I'm a skier. I've met ski instructors. Like I, I think about my ski instructor. And he, he's one of the happiest people I've ever met in my life because he's outdoors, he's teaching people his sport, and he lives a simple life, and he, love, he loves who he is. To me, like being kind, being who you are, that's wealth. Yeah, that is definitely wealth and riches. Is there one uh, homework assignment, Robin, before... We wrap this uh, soul talk up. Is, is there a homework? If you, yeah, if you were to sign a, a simple, practical homework assignment that those listening in can do to immediately apply from this conversation, I, I would say you know I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of journaling. It's it's helped me so much in in you know as I try as I work on myself, and you know I would encourage everyone listening to go out and buy a you know buy a nice journal. And then I would do the first exercise I would do is what I call the 50 year, 50 year vision, you know, write out, write out the next 50 years of your life, because as you write, you build commitment and you build clarity and get really intimate with your future, because that's a great way to protect hope. Um, and then you just go from there. I love it. Folks, you heard it. The assignment, get a journal and write a 50-year vision about the next 50 years of your life, your hopes, your dreams, your vision. Beautiful. Robin, thank you for this. Uh, you know, my, my 
my heart is filled with inspiration. I know everyone listening in is, is deeply inspired. Uh, I know you have a book coming out, The 5 a.m. Club. Um, I want everyone to go out and get this amazing book. I, I, I feel it's going to be powerful and inspirational. If there's anything you want to say about that, Robin, and also what's the best way people can find out about The 5 a.m. Club, your work, you know, what you're up to in the world, where can people go? to find out about the book and the 5 a.m. club. Sure. So, sure. Well, like, like I said, you know, the 5 a.m. club, uh, it's a concept I've te- been teaching for over 20 years. Um, I think I fir- first talked about, uh, about that in, in one of my first books, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Anyway, um, so I've decided to write the book I mentioned, The 5 a.m. Club, and um, it's really been a labor of love, and it's all about, why getting up at five o'clock gives you that period of quietude in this complex world of ours and what exactly to do um, at 5 a.m. and how to build the habit so it becomes a habit that lasts. And uh, it's available in in bookstores or, of course, Amazon.com right around the world is how you can get it. And anyone who who wants to go... um, Deeper can also go to my website, Robin Sharma. That's R O B I N S H A R M A dot com. And there's just a ton of free information, blog posts, videos. And of course, I'm on YouTube and Instagram, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Amazing. Amazing. And also, people can, can uh, I want to go to your website, yes, robinsharma.com. Is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Robin Sharma. Folks, I want to just uh, encourage you all to to uh, dive into Robin's work. Go to robinsharma.com to find out more about his, his amazing work and he's an amazing human being. It's the 5 a.m. club. You've heard about it. Go buy it. Share it with all your friends. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to get it myself. I can't wait. I've been really inspired by this conversation. I'm going to do something uh, off the whim that I don't usually do. If you go and buy the 5 a.m. club within the next week, I want everyone to get this book because this man truly, uh, I say this from my heart, is amazing. I'm a fan. Uh, just privileged to call him a friend and a brother. Uh, if you buy the 5 a.m. club and email me, coopblackson at coopblackson.com, let me know you heard Robin on Soul Talk. You got the 5 a.m. club. I will send you... Um, my free seven-day audio program, Living the Miraculous Life, as a gift. So that's just an incentive and inspiration for you two to check out the book. Robin, thank you for being on today. You're amazing. Keep being legendary. Thanks for making time, Robin. Really appreciate it. You're amazing too, Great. Thanks so much. Great having you on. Folks, the amazing Robin Sharma. This was a truly special conversation. Please write to me, Coot Blackson at CootBlackson.com. Let me know your key takeaways from today's conversation. Also, go get your journal. And I will catch you in the next episode of Soul Talk. Love now, everyone. Big hugs. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply 
Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.